Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the January bonus episode for the Jazz Session. I'm trying something different with this bonus episode, which is why it's on the main feed and not just going out to subscribers. I'm going to try to turn these into a little bit more of a smorgasbord of interesting jazz news and ideas and conversation and whatever else I can shoehorn in. So in this episode, there are three things coming up. The first is a conversation with Dan Rubright, a St. Louis jazz musician who ventured to New York City in the cold January temperatures to see a winter jazz fest, and he'll tell us what he saw. Then there's some extra audio from the Tim LaFave interview that went out earlier this month. You'll get to hear uh, some bonus material from that. And finally, I want to tell you about a soul singer from England that my 12-year-old son turned me on to and who I have just totally fallen in love with, and I think a lot of folks who listen to this show will dig too. Let's dive right into my conversation with Dan Rubright. I'm talking with Dan Rubright. He is a composer and jazz musician from St. Louis. Uh, Dan, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for doing it. Thanks. Glad to be here. Now, we uh, we ended up in touch. Uh, I am just heroically awful at responding to emails. And uh, so you had emailed me kind of ahead of Winter Jazz Fest to say, hey, is there anything that stands out for you in the lineup? And I don't think I even saw your email until after Winter Jazz Fest, um, <laughs> at which point you had already gone and uh, obviously figured out on your own who it was you wanted to hang out with and see. Um, and so I thought, well, I didn't get to go this year, and so I would love to know who you saw, and I bet there are other people who would like to know kind of you know, somebody's take on what Winter Jazz Fest was like. So uh, sure. that's why you're here, and uh, I'm excited that you're, that you're here to tell me about all the cool things that I missed, uh, and Go so I can, <laughs> I can live vicariously through your experience. Um, sure. Maybe, can you just give folks a little picture uh, who have never been to Winter Jazz Fest of, of kind of what it's like, like, you know, just even in terms of getting around all the different shows and that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is my first time uh, going to the festival, and so I didn't know what to expect either. So um, they can sort of live like through my experience. Uh, it was very cold. <laughs> and uh, most of it takes place um, on or around Bleecker Street. And um, so it's kind of interesting. I, I wasn't really familiar with a lot of the different artists performing, um, which is kind of a draw for me. Um, and I really wanted to sort of get to New York. I hadn't been there for a few years. And I just love diving into the culture there. Uh, in the energy of the city. So uh, basically I got there and um, got my hotel room and I look at the program and I'm like, oh my gosh, where do I go? So um, so I essentially sort of quickly auditioned the different time slots and the different venues uh, just to see, give myself a roadmap to sort of kind of know where to go, like ping-ponging around. And um, so that's, that's sort of how I charted it out. And um, I also took a few cues from a, a couple friends of mine. Uh, one of my friends, Tommy Crane, is a drummer in one of the groups. And so he gave me a heads up uh, on a, a group or two to check out. So that was basically it. Um, and then I, I just sort of took the train down and um, it was sort of mesmerized. It just was sort of a magical couple of nights. And um, it was just an adventure. You know, I had the map. I knew where I wanted to go. And off I went. And uh, I found the venues really uh, accommodating, uh, great energy, phenomenal turnout. So I'm really excited to, to share a little bit of my experience with you. So, Dan, did you see anybody that you'd seen before, or was this a case where all of these acts were new to you? Um, well, 
You know, good question. I, I guess years ago I'd seen a couple. Uh, I caught um, sort of the end of Dave Liebman's set, so I'd you know seen him before. Uh, obviously a veteran, uh, but most of the groups were new. I'd never seen Kurt Rosenwinkel in person, but was able to catch um, a bulk of his set, obviously. Uh, but other than that, these are mostly newer artists. I was able to catch about seven groups, and um, sometimes I didn't catch the whole set based on time, and sometimes I actually had to jog a little bit <laughs> to the different venues. Yeah, I've, I've done that, too. <laughs> the uh, Winter but Jazz Fest shuffle. Warm, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like one degree outside, and you're just desperately trying to get to the next thing before your face freezes. Um, so, exactly. uh, you know, in I guess in whatever order, I mean, if we if you want to just kind of take us sure, through it chronologically sure. or in any in any uh, pattern that you like, uh, let's let's start talking okay. about who you saw. Tell us yeah. tell us about somebody. This is this is more or less chronological. Um, um, I saw the Ma- uh, the Matthew Stevens trio, young guitar player. I really wasn't familiar with, uh, but my friend Tommy said that this guy is really really happening, and that I should um, check out his set, and I did. And I was really uh, impressed with his playing, kind of a modern young player. I loved his approach to writing and um, kind of had a rock fusion um, thing going. But the arrangements were really nicely conceived, and the playing, I thought, was really fresh. And as a guitar player, I found myself um, as a new fan of this guy, really, really dug what he was into. And I will and just then, mention, uh, uh, I'll mention for folks yeah. that he comes up in uh, the recent interview with Walter Smith III, uh, because Walter and Matthew and the vibraphonist Joel Ross and Harish Raghavan and I think Marcus Gilmore on drums released a collective album together just a couple months ago uh, that is really, really wonderful, and I highly recommend uh, to folks. But well, they we talk about Matthew a little bit in that interview if folks want to check it out. Great. Hey, that's good information for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, then I was able to go over to see, I mentioned Kurt Rosenwinkel, and his group was playing over at SOB's. And, you know, it was, it was wonderful. It was, Kurt was true to form, you know, obviously sort of the, you know, the, the flag bearer of modern jazz guitar. And, uh, it was a great, great performance, high energy. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Kurt is wonderful, virtuosic player. And, uh, I hadn't seen him live before, but I was really glad I caught that set. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but, uh, maybe you know Taylor. Um, is it Eichsy? It is exactly uh, that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, obviously he, he sounded wonderful that night. I just want to point that out that um, I was really impressed with with his performance. Had some wonderful solos, but the whole group was just great, true to form. Very good. So then up next was um, pianist Aaron Parks and oh, yeah. his little big project. Yeah. Um, so. This is really, it was new to me, but very exciting because um, when I reached out to Tommy, who actually plays drums for him, I kind of got, you know, some of the inside scoop. Tommy and I actually had coffee before his set, um, but I was really excited to see uh, Aaron's new work. And I'm sure you you know more about it than I do, but um, let's see, he had Greg Tuhi on guitar and uh, Jason Murphy on bass. I thought this was a wonderful performance and there was something extra special about about this one i guess because it's sort of a new project um a lot of new energy and um i guess from what from what i read this is sort of his first project under his name in about a decade or so yeah that's right 
Yeah. I thought, you know, the the, um, the pieces were really crisp and fresh, sort of a rock-oriented, minimal mood motifs, I guess, if, that, if that's a description that works. And, um, you know, Parks is playing really, you know, beautiful, clean piano with also blending it with sort of catchy synth lines, which I found really hooky. In fact, I can still sing some of those melodies a couple of weeks later, which is pretty rare. Um, and um, overall, really a compelling compelling performance and by the way tommy sounded fantastic on drums um he sort of made the whole thing take off so now how do you anyway, guys know each other delight. so it's so funny so uh, i i taught at webster university in a jazz program for i don't know 20 years and tommy was actually going to high school at the time and um decided he wanted to take you know a, a jazz uh, ensemble class at the at the at the school at the university and so he was in my combo and i kind of forgot about this he said oh yeah i remember when you know we were playing in that little house next to the next to the main hall we played upstairs and we were playing nefertiti i'm like man how do you remember that um but anyway so i've known him he was sort of in the in the jazz ranks back then and we've all just sort of watched him ascend through uh through the jazz uh world and he's just a he's just a fantastic drummer i don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him um i haven't talked to him i have seen him perform um and aaron's been on the show a couple times uh but yeah i think i need to get around to tommy too that would be that would be a fun interview to do very good and um Let's see. Next, I was I was really surprised with sort of a shift of gears. Um, I was able to catch. Now I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name right. I think it's either Matthias Ike or Matthias Ike. I'm not sure. And um, I don't I don't know either. This is a new person to me too. So. Yeah. So he's on the ECM label, and um, these guys are from from Europe, obviously, but his approach was really, really beautiful. And, um, I'm a big fan of, of a lot of the early ECM material. And this was like right out of a page of, of like late seventies ECM kind of the piano ostinato, very soulful, moody sound. And, uh, it, it was like walking into kind of an enchanted world of this sort of ancient beauty. And uh, I really loved it. Each piece kind of slowly, uh, evolved into these, with these, sort of uh, these ostinato, they're very kind of uh, voice-like. Uh, the keyboard, uh, I'm not sorry, but the uh, the violinist was really exceptional. And let me see if I got his name. It's Hakon Aisi, or Aise. Okay. Um, kind of Middle Eastern sounding. At times I had to do like a double take to see like who was playing because it sounded like a voice uh, at times like a synth and it was really amazing very organic sounding but as i watched this group play it was interesting i was watching the audience and it was like they were kind of going on this this journey too like they were like oh, listen to this it was almost like stepping out of time from like hectic bleaker street to this sort of like really meditative beautiful soulful lyrical material um which really impressed me so i'm a, i'm consider myself a fan of his work will and, you spell uh, his uh, last name for folks who <laughs> might want to look him up yeah it is e-i-c-k and his first name is uh m-a-t-h-i-a-s and uh really strongly recommend the album which i think is called ravensburg um and it's on the ecm label 
and it's really, really beautiful. So um, that was a big surprise, <clears throat> surprise for me. Moving right along, sure. um, for another sh- gear shift, I was uh, able to catch uh, Jenny Scheinman. Oh, yeah. Uh. And uh, Allison Miller's Parlor Game. Awesome. Group. Yeah. Really fun. Quite a gear shift. And um, Carmen, is it staff? It's on... stuff. Yep. Stuff, yeah. Just blew me away on the on the on the piano, and um, it was really wonderful. Andy Scher played the bass, and so these tunes were they're kind of like drew from Americana folk and like early swing flavors, but yet, yet it was somehow kind of modern overall, if that makes sense. And um, I don't know, it was just it was it was fun. It was kind of light, but I I thought that the staff um, soloing her soloing was just one of the highlights for me uh, of the festival it was just really fresh i mean i wouldn't i didn't know for sure what her background uh was or is but it's almost like she melded classical um piano with her own sort of jazz voice in a way which i really hadn't heard before so that was that was really uh uh, very uh, interesting to me. Yeah, very, Carmen's very fun to watch. Carmen's been on the show, and actually, she and Allison will be on uh, later this season talking about that project and others. Um, as I hope, will Jenny Scheinman. Uh, that is in progress. But uh, yeah, Car- uh, Carmen's actually a close friend of mine as well, and just a, a really amazing player. Who I, uh, I'm really glad to see her getting a lot more notice these days because uh, you know she's been kind of bubbling under for for several years now, and it's it's great to see that this project. Uh, with Allison is, you know, is really, is really getting them a lot of well-deserved praise. Great. I hope so, because she certainly uh, deserves it. And uh, I guess the last group I saw was, uh, I was able to catch the last part of Dave Liebman's trio with percussionists, Adam Rudolph and Hamid Drake. And uh, this was really enjoyable. I'm not sure, but they may have been completely improvising the whole set. That would not surprise Uh, me given those three guys you just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, but it but it it sounded really. Uh, I mean, it sounded wonderful. Um, the percussion grooves between between those two two guys, um, Adam and Hamid, was just spectacular. My brother's a percussionist, so I really I really key in on percussion. And uh, Hamid was kind of playing the frame drum, really, as sort of laying down the groove for the piece. And then uh, Anna Rudolph was sort of dancing around playing an assortment of different instruments, all of which sound great. Uh, and then it's not an easy thing to do. I can tell you that. Uh, and then Lieben just, he, he came in and just sort of played around the edges in this, this, uh, sort of haunting quality, which really captured me. So, um, was he on soprano on tenor on both? Um, well, I only saw the last few tunes, and he was playing soprano on those, okay, those pieces. So I'm going to assume that maybe the whole set was that, but I'm not sure cool. um, what came before. Um, but anyway, it was wonderful. And there you go. That's my uh, summary of, of all the, the groups I saw at the festival this year. Well, as my final plug, then, I will say that uh, both Dave and Adam have also been on the show. You managed to see quite a roster of people who have all been guests on the jazz session, which... Uh, given that we had literally no planning contact around this whatsoever, I'm quite grateful for it because almost every name you mentioned to someone, I could say, oh yeah, by the way, there's also an episode of the Jazz Session. And I got to say, for, for someone who, uh, you know, essentially fired blind with the exception of, of whatever advice you got from Tommy, 
you you did an exceptional job of finding really interesting music to listen to. I mean, that's that's quite a list of shows that you saw uh, that I am extremely envious of because you really you really hit a lot of great spots. It sounds like. Well, you know, I just kind of go with my with my gut, and uh, I think being able to just listen to a little bit of each piece uh, really helped me out. And um, but um, yeah, those are all great players. I couldn't have been happier. I, there was nothing I didn't like. And uh, so for anybody that's thinking about going to the festival next year, I highly recommend it. I am definitely going back. Uh, it was just a great experience. Anything that you think you might do differently on a return trip, uh, you know, either logistically or, uh, you know, just, just anything, anything that someone might find useful uh, if they're planning their own trip next winter? Um, that's a good question. So I, I booked a hotel like in, um, in Midtown, and it worked fine to go down there. It wasn't a problem, but I actually kind of messed it up and had to change each night. So don't do that. Find a place <laughs> and stay there uh, for a couple nights. Um, also, you might want to consider. I think the festival actually there were a few nights before it as sort of special events, and there were a couple groups that would have been great to see too. I think one of them was uh, Alarm Will Sound uh, with Nadesky Martin and Wood. I'm not sure what the date was on that. And um, there may be a couple others. So people might want to look at a few days, not just the weekend, as another possibility. And again, I don't know what the schedule will be, but that's something that I would maybe look into next time. Uh, but other than that, I, I'm pretty happy with the way I, I planned it. And it's kind of hard to go wrong. But um, it's kind of like it's a big adventure and just sort of get ready for a big adventure. And you know, a lot of it, I'm a jazz musician, so I'm used to improvising. A lot of it was just improvising. When you get yeah, absolutely. From, from venue to venue. Oh, wait, I would suggest this. If you want to catch, like, more than, you know, one act, say, during a set, and you don't want to run, I would plan using Uber to try to get, if you're, like, four blocks away. Um, I thought to myself, you know, next time I could totally see using an Uber just to get there really quickly in case you don't want to either run that far or you're afraid you're going to miss a few tunes. So that would be my, about my only tip that I can think of right now. But other than that, I think it worked out pretty well. Dan, is there anything of your own that you'd like to plug for folks? Wow. Um, yeah, I'd like to be great. I've got a new album that I just released, and uh, it's actually uh, – through my name, the Dan Rubright Group, and I've got a website called uh, com where you can hear a couple of YouTube pieces, and it's available um, through Bandcamp right now. And I've got some other projects I'm working on, which will probably be out there in the next uh, probably four or five months. So thank you very much for offering to have me plug that. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Dan for his take on the Winter Jazz Fest. If you have been to a cool jazz show and you want to talk about it on a bonus episode, uh, let me know. You can email me at jason at thejazzsession.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and Instagram at thejazzsession. Tim LaFave was on the January 15th episode of the show, and here's some bonus audio from that interview. So uh, are there other projects that you're involved with now? Obviously, we talked about Tedeschi Trucks. We talked about the uh, Whose Hat Is This? Are there other things or other people that you're working with these days? I know you you mentioned the bands that you're producing. What else is in the hopper right now with you? 
Uh, yeah, I'm doing some stuff with Donnie McCaslin next year. Uh, sounds like I may do some touring with Chris Potter. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it's a bunch of stuff coming up. I'm not, I'm not really quite sure how it's all forming up, but it's uh, definitely gonna, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's, uh, it's good. I feel like it's a nice creative time. I think that there's going to be more production stuff on the on the. Well, actually, well, I'll tell you this. This is because I'm a big. I don't know if you know this guy Fink. He's a singer songwriter oh, yeah. from. Yep. Yeah. So apparently, I think we're going to collaborate next year. Oh wow! On something. Yeah, I'm going to do some kind of project together. Now, I'm where did that come from? Fink fan. Well, I just been I, I just been in contact with him. Like you know, like how I did it initially was like you know I just started falling in love with his records so much that you know then I start putting it on social media. And his following isn't like so big where he doesn't notice that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the whole Bowie thing went down, blah, blah, blah. So like I kind of got on the radar somehow. And, uh, you know, I keep professing my undying love for him, his music. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, I think he's coming to California next year. He's like renting a car, driving around. He's going to write. And um, so, you know, I want, him to get, I want him to actually get together with Rachel and write some stuff. And, just re- and then we can just record. I think it would be... A blast, yeah, because that that would be like a career highlight for me because I'm just such a fan of his voice and how he produces stuff, and so, I mean, he's like, here's here's another thing, like how I produce records is highly influenced by his records, you know what I mean? And how so? Tell me more about that. Well, just because he's got, you know, like he's, it's all kind of mellow, like like how he tunes his guitars, and he's got like a lower voice, but it's semi lush, you know, like like the drums are recorded interestingly, but there's always some kind of wash of some delay track or some interesting sonic coloration going on i mean I, i've gone the way i'm producing stuff is you know in like on rachel's record you know i've gone more overboard with it so it's more of a actual drone but um but his stuff like always has some kind of interesting wash of, of like analog delays and some cool like either vocals or acoustic guitars or something so i've been pretty influenced by that and just how like how he takes his time in the song like like you don't have to like rush into a next verse you could do some instrumental stuff and have long intros long outros you know, he can somebody he can reharm stuff, and he's he's a genius. So like, I just kind of let that kind of come into me via osmosis. So yeah, so I'm really excited. Hopefully that's going to happen. Sounds like it's going to. So. And yeah. how much we're kind of we're getting close to the uh, the end here, but in terms of producing, how how audible should the effect of a producer be like like i think about you know albums i've that i love that were produced by brian eno or by mitchell Froom or just like the guys that kind of were becoming big when i was in my teens and 20s and i don't think at the time i really knew who they like what they were adding to it now if i listen to a bunch of different albums by other artists altogether that those guys worked on i can say oh okay well i can kind of see why these sound similar it i mean should should the listener be able to pick up on what the producer is doing? How much of a of an audible role should they have? I, I guess I'm I'm not always sure how much producers want to be in the mix in that way. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of schools of thought. I mean, there's people who just say plug in the mics and just record it because it's already fully realized or something like that, and they just want to just get good sounds or something like that. And that's you know coming from more of an engineer standpoint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like which I'm not. I'm I'm more coming from the musical standpoint. Like with the with the broadcast, this band from. Asheville that I'm producing like I definitely took some time to like get to help them get their arrangements like just how it's going to hit people you know what I mean and yeah definitely sonic ideas and how we recorded like Falcon was good at recording the drums and stuff like I left that stuff to him but like generally the grooves and the forms and how the songs will go down what kind of sounds blah 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 you know what I mean like like yeah I mean there's, there's projects you have to decide whether you're going to be heavy-handed or and like really get involved or just kind of press record you know what I mean and uh, and the broadcast I also played bass on, so like you know, 
so they would like you know like i did a little more shaping of stuff than i normally would have so you know it's just kind of stuff like it's, it's always like play it by ear kind of thing but um yeah i mean you know I guess this, that's probably the best answer I can give about that one. And I think it'll be interesting as you go forward with people that you know less well also to kind of see, like, because it seems like there's a lot of trust that has to be built into that relationship kind of quickly in order for the people who created this music to have another person come into the studio and say, well, here are my ideas for this music that you wrote <laughs> and about how it should sound in the final product. That feels like a very vulnerable situation kind of for both sides yeah i mean yeah i have to learn i mean i could probably be tend to be a little heavy-handed about that so i have to sort of figure out what the middle ground is you know what i mean um i mean it's all in the interest of helping somebody but sure. yeah, it's also like me it's also me clinging to my you know like what well, i think this should sound like this and you know it's not necessarily right you know what i mean yeah so it's kind of a balancing act and that's tim lefave be sure to check out my entire conversation with tim on the January 15th, 2019 episode of The Jazz Session. Finally, I want to tell you about a soul singer that my 12-year-old son turned me on to. His name is Sam Henshaw. Uh, He is English and really just absolutely wonderful. Uh, I've started listening to him in the last week or so. He's been essentially nonstop on rotation uh, in my car and at home ever since my son John introduced me to him. Uh, let me play you the track that John introduced me to. Uh, this is one called Church. Uh, mama said we in the church. You best believe this ain't no hotel. Rocking your halo like a snapback as you hang with ghetto angels. She told me they won't catch you when you fall. You know this thing won't end well. Tell somebody shot the sheriff. If it's you, I ain't gonna pay bail. Good morning, wake up, wake. Good morning, wake up, wake. Good morning, wake up, wake. Wake up, wake. Wake up and get yourself to church, bit of Sam Henshaw right there. Uh, every one of his songs that I've heard is just absolutely stellar. Uh, there's lots and lots of great music from 2018 uh, that is all that kind of, you know, pretty produced stuff. There's some a uh, little more like live performance stuff that's available on Spotify as well. Uh, so before we leave, let me hit you with a little bit of one more track from Sam Henshaw. Sam, by the way, has two M's if you're looking him up. So it's Sam with two M's and then H-E-N-S-H-A-W. Searching for my independence, manifested in weed, my old man. See, he invested in me, another penny in the world, oh, 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 so. 
bonus episode if you've got something cool you want to talk about feel free to drop me a line jason at the jazz session.com generally speaking these are for patreon subscribers only and if you'd like to become a subscriber first of all i'd be very grateful and second of all you'll get bonus content every single month just like this you can do that at patreon.com slash the jazz session p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash the jazz session see you back here next month and also on the main show thanks for my baby girl it's my baby's world and if you win like you green you run hope i'm second to anyone say sky's the limit but we got a hair with us but it ain't too hard to touch and it ain't that deep to fall faith won't pay the bill but doubt won't save us all Oh